being so good. Lord, for providing, for caring for us, for just the fact that we can rest on you and know that you are in charge. Lord, we thank you for keeping us in the way and providing and answering prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go ye, kids. Go ye. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. Just one of those little notes. It's never correct to say Psalms 11. Uh, because it is an individual psalm. It is the book of Psalms, but we're going to look at the 11th psalm tonight. And uh, just seven short verses, and let's read them all. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven, his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. As we look through this little psalm, we need to be reminded that this was actually a song that was to be sung. And uh, it has been said and, and should be uh, repeated that uh, if you could do what you do with normal words, you wouldn't need to put it to music. Uh, songs and music is a very, very powerful tool. And uh, just a very simple illustration of that. How many are you familiar with John Philip Sousa? Stars and Stripes Forever and some of that kind of music. I'll tell you what, if we were to just play a few bars of one of those hymns, uh, there would be smiles starting to creep across people's face and they'd start tapping their foot and moving with the, with the music because uh, it, it, there is a message there and it's, it, music is incredibly powerful. Uh, in fact, there are things that you can say with notes that do not and cannot be better said with words. And this was a song. This was meant to be sung. And if anybody today tells you they have the melody or the, uh, the music of the Psalms, uh, it is either something they made up or they're lying about it because the, the music that was originally accompanied with these songs has has been lost in antiquity. Uh, I remember uh, hearing uh, of someone, I haven't studied it deeply, but they claimed that the accent marks and the vowel marks in the Hebrew was actually the notes for the chords of the music. And then I heard a little bit of the music they produced that way. And you talk about weird sounding stuff. And... uh, 
said, well, maybe there's something there, but I don't think you got it, whatever was there. Um, these, these songs are important. And as a song, one of the things that happens is things get repeated. And as we look here, uh, I want you to just touch on a few things here and, and we'll come back and we'll try to put this thing together is David starts in verse 1 by saying, In the Lord put I my trust. Verse 4, The Lord is in His holy temple. Uh, Verse 5, The Lord trieth the righteous. Verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Now, David has something he's trying to say here. He's saying, I put my trust in the Lord. He's saying that God is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Uh, The Lord trieth the righteous. And the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Now, why would David be proclaiming these truths? Well, we find the overse or the 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 contradiction or the uh, opposite here. It says, how say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Verse 2, for lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, uh, apparently, and, and of course, if you're familiar with David, how many times was somebody hunting David? Uh, all the commentators say, well, this, this psalm must have been during the time that uh, David uh, uh, was running from King Saul. And, and uh, that may very well be true. We, we just do not know. But that wasn't the only time somebody was after David. That wasn't the only time David was told to run and to hide himself and... David is, is making a statement here, and, and I call this, for sake of our message tonight, a song for dangerous and sad days. I mean, we, we live in a dangerous world, and if you tune in to the news, uh, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead, it doesn't get printed. If, if it's not bad news, they don't really talk about it. How, how many of you have heard a story on the falling price of oil? And it's always attached to something bad. Now, is the fact that gasoline is going to be cheaper bad? Uh, heating oil is down over a dollar a gallon, and we go through a lot of it. Uh, I'm, I'm praising the Lord for that. But there's all, when you listen to the stories, it, was, it would be like, it's a terrible thing. I don't know. I, why, why does everything have to be terrible, my friend? And... Uh, Of course, the most terrible story is the Republicans are taking over Congress. You know that's the end of the world. Um, But, uh, no, don't worry. Obama's ready. He's got his veto pen out. And uh, gridlock shall be preserved. And uh, and if you're worried about that, don't be. Because when government does nothing, you are safest. All right? And so we'll just look at this psalm. and, And we can look at our day in which we live. And... I'll tell you what, how many people say, you need to, 
You need to run and you need to find a place to hide and you need to protect yourself. How many ads have you heard? You need to protect your wealth. Buy gold. And then the next ad says, you need to protect your wealth. Invest in something other than gold. And it just goes on and on and on. Now, David starts out by making a statement that that we ought to agree with, that we ought to have made in our own lives. In the Lord put I my trust. Amen? Oh, me? I mean, if you've put your trust in the Lord, that's a good place to be. And David is making a statement. He said, that's where my trust is. He says, my trust is in the Lord. Now, here's the way most of us put our trust in the Lord. I put my trust in the Lord. What did you say was happening? Let me get out my calculator and figure this out. David says, listen, I put my trust in the Lord. How say ye to me? To my soul, I'm sorry. How say ye to my soul? Flee as a flee as a bird to your mountain. How in the world, if you know anything about me, you know that my trust is in the Lord. So why are you telling me to run away and hide? Why are you telling me to to find a place in the mountains where uh, they if they cannot follow me and be hunted as as a bird and and the and it says, look at verse two. For lo, here's why you need to run away. The wicked bend their bow; they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright of heart. It says David, you need to run away and hide. Look at everything the wicked are doing. They have weapons. They're prepared. They are ready. They are laying wait to destroy you. And by the way, they're not going to do it out in the open. It's going to be privately in secret. They're laying an ambush for you. David, there's nothing you can do to protect yourself. You need to run away and you need to hide from the world. David says, wait a minute. In the Lord put I my trust. If that is true, then what you are saying to me is ridiculous. And then verse 3, he says something that, it's just one of those verses that arrest your attention if you read it. He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed. Now, here's the, the simple answer to this question. This is a rhetorical question. He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The answer is nothing. One commentator said, the answer is nothing except to reestablish the foundation. I want to challenge you. If you are in the building... And the foundations are destroyed in that building. There's only one thing you'd better do. Get out of the building. Uh, because it's coming down. Um, and I, I've probably preached it this way and others have as well. 
what are we supposed to do? And one of the commentators said, we are, we are supposed to be reminded to preach foundational truths. Well, I, that's not really the context of what David's saying here. David is saying, listen, you're telling me to go and hide. You're telling me that that I need to protect myself from those that are lying in ambush from me. But I, I want you to understand something. If the foundations are destroyed, there's nothing that you or I can do. Now, we can apply this in many different ways. If this were actually in the time when David was running from Saul, what were the foundations that David was talking about? He's talking about the foundations of good and evil. Saul had blurred that line. He had destroyed that. He was taking arguably the most honorable, patriotic, and greatest servant that he had, David, and trying to murder him and accusing him of treason. Now, if there was anything that David was guilty of, that was not what he was guilty of. How many of you are familiar with the stories? We just went over those in Sunday school. And David is simply saying if the whole sense of right and wrong of our king and of our nation is gone, what am I going to do about it? What can the righteous do when everything is gone? You know, there have been many societies in history and if, if we need to learn anything from history, we need to learn one thing, that governments and societies fail. The Roman Empire fell apart, as did the Greek Empire before it, and the Persian before it, and uh, the Babylonian before it, and the Assyrian before it. And uh, we can go all the way back to Nimrod and the Tower of Babel if we want to, Egypt, all of the splendor of Egypt, the, the incredible riches and glory of the Mayan and the Inca empires, and all we have today is ruins. If the foundations are destroyed, there's nothing the righteous can do. We can go from the macro environment of the whole world or society as large to the micro-environment of a family. If in a family the foundations are destroyed, there, there's nothing you're going to do to preserve that. It's gone. And sometimes we take our lives, and we need to understand where David is not just simply being fatalistic here. He's saying, we are wasting time, effort, and energy Trying to fix something that cannot be fixed. You know what? If the foundations of a building are destroyed, putting new plaster and paint on the sixth floor of that building is going to do very little good. Uh, repairing the plumbing and the electrical is not going to help anything. If the foundations are truly destroyed, 
of a building and it's still standing, there's only one thing left to do. That is, knock it down and start over again. And David is simply saying, you are worried about things that you cannot change. And then he goes back to his original theme. You see, David has a declaration of faith in God in verse 1. He is now declaring the truths of life. He's saying, how in the world are you telling me to deny my faith in God by running and hiding myself? Uh, the, the, the wicked has always laid uh, siege to the just, tried to destroy what is right and what is true. If the foundations are destroyed, if the whole thing is going down, he said, there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that the righteous can do to reestablish uh, what has been lost. Because you see, the Lord is in. It doesn't say the Lord is still in or the Lord will be in. It's present tense because God has never left His holy temple. It says, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. David is saying in a very wonderful way, wait a minute, the Lord, in the Lord put I my trust, and the Lord is still alive, and He is paying attention. He is in control of the world. These foundations cannot be destroyed. You know, a few years ago, some person thought they were being real cute. And they wrote a book called The Bones of Jesus. And it was a novel. And of course, it was made up. And it says, what would happen if they found the body of Jesus? What would that do to your faith? And the answer was supposed to be, my faith would still be in God. Now, that sounds quaint, but there is nothing more blasphemous or stupid. Uh, and stupid, I'm, I'm sorry, not or, it's both. Uh, than that uh, surmisal in there and, and that statement, if they find the body of Jesus, everything in this book is a lie. Uh, I want to challenge you, those foundations cannot nor will they ever be destroyed. Uh, it's amazing what people want to believe. Some of you may remember the story a couple, about a year ago or so of this woman scholar who had found this uh, fragment of a document that talked about Jesus, the wife of Mary, I mean the husband of Mary, and how that that was supposed to apply to Jesus of the Bible and release this little fragment and and the world of scholars went crazy. And I remember reading in one article, it says, I have no idea why this ignorant professor claims that this fraudulent piece of document has any breadth of reality at all. Anybody who's a scholar has known about the existence of this document for years and knows that it's fake. And yet, 
all the fanfare, all the bells and whistles. What would this do to your faith? And, and you always get the people out there that will say, Oh, my faith is in God. It doesn't matter about facts. You know, I worry about those people. Our, our, our faith is supposed to be just blind, ignorant faith. No, it is not. Faith is based upon fact, my friend. You can find more facts to have faith in God than you can have facts to have faith in evolution. I'll promise you that. Uh, there is more reasons to believe in the God of this Bible than there is in the government of the United States going to solve any problems. Let me tell you that. Uh, God is still on His throne. He is still trying the hearts of men. And even though we can lose everything that we hold dear in this life, we cannot lose God because He's not going anywhere. That's what David's saying in this psalm. And he is still judging men. God is going to keep judging you no matter what. He's going to keep his eye on your life and he is going to try what is going on in your life no matter what the world does. It says here, the Lord trieth the righteous. And, and we could go through the New Testament and David saying, listen, in the Lord put I my trust. I better just obey Him regardless of what goes on in the world around me. You know what? Circumstances do not determine truth. God's Word determines truth. Amen? Am I in the right church tonight? At least go like this. It doesn't make much sound, but I know that you're listening. And it says, But the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. How many stories could we come up with from history of Violence toward God's people because they were God's people. In the Philippines, are there not still violence toward Christians because of the Muslims and the communists and other people that are there? Uh, you know, we can, if one um, person uh, of the sodomite persuasion has one bad thing said about them. It's in every newspaper. It's on all the news media. But they can say anything they choose about Christians. And that's normal and right and true. I mean, we can have a governor of the state of of, of, this, of this state, of the state of New York, get up and say, if you don't believe in sodomite marriage, there's no room for you to be in this state as a citizen and to be a part of what we are and to participate in the government of, the, of New York State. Well, I'm still voting, and I hope you are too if you're a citizen. Amen? And, and I'm going to vote against those things. You know Why? Because God still loves righteousness and He still hates evil. And He is going to try the righteous 
and he's watching and he's waiting. God is not just saying, well, it's okay. God has never, ever used that word. Uh, that, that is a word that if we could just get rid of the, get it out of the English language, we'd probably all be better off. You okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what does that mean? And we tend to look that at God. It, in verse 6 it says, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Uh, let me mention just one name. How about Bernie Madoff? I mean, he was doing pretty good there for a while, wasn't he? I mean, the biggest thief in the history of the United States. Uh, there, there's nobody that has stolen as much. No individual has stolen as much money. Uh, have to be careful. Uh, has stolen as much money as Bernie Madoff got away with. I mean, what a name. His name is Madoff, and boy, he sure did, didn't he? I mean, billions of dollars. But one day, it all came down now, didn't it? I think it was just his son committed suicide the other day as a result of all the wicked things that he did. Now, here he is, an old man who lost everything, sitting in a jail cell, reading the newspaper about his son committing suicide because of all the wicked things that he did. How many are volunteering to be the, take that job? Let me tell you something. God is still in control. And you can take any person in all of history. Napoleon. Arguably one of the greatest military leaders in history died a young man all alone, broken on a desert island in the middle of the South Atlantic Ocean, writing books about how great he was and how great he really should have been and that no one really appreciated how wonderful that he truly was. I mean, we could go on and on, could we not? God is still in charge, and it may seem like the wicked always win, but let me tell you who's saying that. Other wicked people, they don't win. They never have won. Is there a reason why George Washington is one of the most revered men in the history of this country? Tell you what, George Washington was a righteous man that loved God and loved this book called the Bible. Uh, we could name some other presidents who claimed to do great things, but they're not held in that high esteem. You see, the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. This is an unbreakable law, as David is teaching us in this song. He's saying, in the Lord I put my trust. 
saying, who in the world are you? What in the world are you thinking to tell me to hide myself? Why are you so worried about all that's going on with the wicked? He said, if the foundations are destroyed, if we lose everything, what are you going to do about it? But let me tell you something. God is still in heaven. He's still on His throne. He is still trying my life for what I do today and decisions I make today. He's going to judge the wicked. But let me tell you something. He's watching each and every step I take as I walk through this life. You know, if we're not careful... We'll get so worried about what the world is doing that we'll cut ourselves off from the blessings and the power that God wants to give us to live each and every day. That's what that last phrase is talking about. Don't allow the world to discourage you because you know somebody that's a little bigger than the world. That's what David is saying. Don't even allow other Christians. I mean, I've, I've had preachers tell me over, over the years, say, listen, now, uh, Brother Pete, when it happens, you need to have a way to get that family of yours out of the city. You know what? It did happen on September 11th. It did happen. There's only one place I wanted to be, and that's where I wasn't. was right here. I, I want to just be where God wants me to be. He's watching over each of our steps. He will keep you right where He wants you to be if we go back and start singing David's song. In the Lord put I my trust. The Lord is in His holy temple. He's never left, by the way. His throne is in heaven. He's never had to rearrange it. He's still watching. Have you ever sat back to think about something and you just close your eyes and you try to picture something in your head? That's... That was David's, that's what David is talking about when his eyelids try. It's talking about, of course, God doesn't have to think about things like we do, but it's just a poetic way of, of putting it here that, that, that the Lord is not allowing anything to escape. He thinks about every motive, everything that every person does. He's going to judge the wicked. There is no question about it. But he is trying the righteous. You know, sometimes, and the Bible is full of verses and examples, and David's life is full of verses and examples, that God puts you through difficult times because he wants you to learn to trust him more. Amen? God does not dangle you over the fires of adversity because He wants to see how loud you can scream. And yet people accuse God of that all the time. 
Listen, if you're part of that group that have put their trust in the Lord, that understand that God is on His throne, it says the righteous Lord loveth the righteous. This is an unbreakable law. Paul put it this way, if we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny His own. God will, as the songwriter wrote, take care of you. I love that song. God is watching His countenance. Uh, Not only is He looking in our direction, it says His countenance. That means His presence, His person, His power is watching every step we take. You know what? When the foundations are washed away of this society... I want to be walking where the Lord wants me to be. Amen? When we lose our freedoms, I want to be walking where the Lord wants me to walk. You know what? He's, he has allowed many Christians to suffer. But He is watching. He is keeping. And we need to just echo with the psalmist. In the Lord put I my trust. Why in the world are you telling me to hide? You know, the Seventh-day Adventist organization is in the process of divesting itself of inner city properties and moving out to the country so that they can raise food and be ready Uh, for the coming tribulation period. And, well, they might, because if you believe what they teach, you're going to be here for it. Uh, Because if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're you're going to be there for the tribulation period. And and they don't. And and they're, they're worried about all of those things. I've often said, I just wish I had enough capital to go buy those buildings and start Baptist churches in them. Amen? Uh, But... The simple truth of the matter is, God knows what we need. And He's going to help us walk according to His path. He's watching. Don't try to fix what you can't fix. Make sure that you're still among the righteous because His countenance will be there to watch over you. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You and we read this little song that David wrote, and it's certainly not little in the truths that it talks about. Help us as we look at the world in which we live, just literally fall apart, that we would not be dissuaded, that we would not run and hide, but Lord, we would keep our trust in Thee, that we would keep our faith in Thee, and we would stay in the paths of righteousness. Help us, Lord. Not to be discouraged with the world in which we live, but to be encouraged with the greatness and goodness of our God. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just have our heads bowed for a moment. And if you need to just slip out and spend a few minutes, the altar's open. And then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.